everybody. Welcome to This Is Not About Your Body. I'm your host, Jesse Neeland. And today I have a very exciting and special guest on here with me. Uh, this will be Drew Hughes, who is a photographer and a graphic designer and also happens to be my fiance. So please welcome Drew. Hi. Happy to be here. Travel. Yeah. Traveled, traveled a long very way, far. Yeah. So Drew is recording downstairs and I'm recording upstairs for the sake of like easy production. <laughs> but we are in the same house right now. To not have so much audio bleed that it is. Yeah. And we were wondering who the cat was going to go bother most because he likes to interrupt us when we're busy. Yeah. Um, okay. So Drew, I am having you on here for a variety of reasons. One is in general, whenever I write about you on the internet, people ask questions and I get a lot of feedback um, of curiosity about our relationship, curiosity about, you know, like how we came to be the way we are or how you came to be the way you are. And so I wanted to address some of that stuff. And um, I actually have a few things written down that people directly told me to ask you on this episode. <laughs> um, and then also because recently I've been writing about my struggle with men, like my trauma and history. Um, of really struggling with men. And so a big common reaction when I've been writing that stuff and a lot of people really resonate with it, they say, how does this impact your relationship and how does this impact Drew? So those are kind of the two directions I really wanted to get you on here to talk about. Although, <laughs> frankly, I feel like we could talk about any number of things. Um, <laughs> I wanted to kind of start, I think, by having you like introduce yourself and... Uh, <laughs> not too broad or anything how you came to be the right. way you are you know tell us the story of your life um no tell, to, tell the story of of how we met maybe and and how you like think of our relationship how you came to be a person who who can relationship like this right. or give the so, I guess give the audience context perhaps they do not know anything about a relationship <laughs> so well we met just prior to the pandemic in LA at an event that I was photographing and uh, yeah, that was sort of a, a, a whirlwind evening that has turned out to be like one of the best nights of my life. Um, but for the record, I, think... I was there with a friend I had made who was like a Tinder date turned friend <laughs> at a <laughs> random Christmas party at the climbing gym I went to. That I almost didn't make it to because <laughs> I had forgotten that it was that night. Um, but I think like the big thing was our conversation that night was the thing that cemented it for me really early on uh, because there was a level of candor and just openness about uh, any number of topics but I think the ease with which we were able to get into deeper stuff because I am absolutely rubbish with any kind of small talk like, where are you from what, what's you know how's the weather been where you're at like <laughs> that does not I'm, I'm not great with that, but I'm happy to dive into stuff and, and have been told throughout my life that I'm someone who people find very easy to open up to. So, yeah, I don't really remember what we talked about, but I remember a couple things stood out for me. One was your vocabulary. You were using words that I had either not heard of and had to ask for a definition for, or just were like really impressive vocabulary words. And, uh, <laughs> That's like just a standalone memory of being like, I would go home with this guy just because of his vocabulary. I mean, I was obviously already <laughs> feeling you, but I was so impressed with that. 
it was my anxiety response. So, that is true. Like, I now know that he uses big words when he's anxious, which is super funny to look back on. So I'll probably be pretty verbose during this episode. <laughs> he's very <laughs> nervous, everyone. Drew, have you ever done a podcast interview before? No. And I was going to say earlier, I remind me to keep talking because I'm used to hearing these because I edit them. So yeah, he's I'm my like, production oh, person. Listening. So he edits. Yeah, I'm just them. listening to a podcast and it's going along. And I realize, wait, <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm in it. So. <laughs> I am the podcast. Right. Um, okay, well, I guess what else do you remember from that night? Anything else that really stood out to you as to how we met? Uh again, just kind of having somebody challenge me in, in a way that, you know, I, I'm not looking to like seek out challenging people per se, but I enjoy somebody who like is able to keep up with banter and, yeah. and like understand my strange sense of humor, which I feel like we've come to realize you don't necessarily understand. That. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that that's night true. it was working. So, so a uh, few things. Uh... I do remember a lot of banter, a lot of joking, thinking you were very funny. Um, but the the like first moment was I was doing like a yoga pose uh, thing on camera with my friend. Uh, so we went over to the photography area. And when you looked over at us and like took your camera down away from your face and just seeing your face <laughs> and particularly your, your eyes for the first time was like a literal visceral like inside my body, like, <laughs> holy shit. And then uh, I remember asking if you were single after we'd been chatting a little bit. And I was like, I'm going to go get a drink. Do you want to walk with me? Uh, and as we were walking up the stairs being like, by the way, are you single? And uh, you telling you told me much later that that was like a a very uh, that it was like a very flummoxing or whatever the word is, like flustering right. kind of moment. And <laughs> you were like, I, I, I guess I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like whatever your answer was like a little complicated. Uh, yes. And. And yeah, and I, I feel like this is one of those things when people are like, well, I can't tell if someone likes me or whatever. Uh, I'm always like, yeah. transparency is the best way. I just go right in and ask. 100%. You, you cut right to the chase, which was something that was incredibly endearing, especially as somebody who struggles so mightily with that anxiety. And I think, yeah. you know, have struggled for most of my life, especially in dating with that sort of self-sabotage, so to speak. The idea of I will look for any number of reasons as to why this mm -hmm. won't work and take it as an out. Um, and I think that that's something that I have continued to work on. I you know, still deal with that professionally. Yeah, uh, yeah sort of the, the broad uh, sense of imposter syndrome. So. so I think I'd like to have you talk a little bit about that because I certainly have had anxiety. Obviously, it's a human experience in a lot of ways. And I've had at different times in my life, uh, more anxiety uh, in different contexts, but I'm never somebody who veers toward anxiety. I veered toward depression. Like it, you know, right. it just, that's my thing. Being sad and tired is my thing. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, I like, I'd like to hear you talk about your experience of being sort of identified as an anxious person or a person with anxiety, because I think it plays a big role in our relationship in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah. Do you, do you know why? you are anxious or how does that anxiety show up? So I would not have always identified as an anxious person. I think there were, there was one trip I was living in LA and flying back home to Miami. And on that flight, it felt like it all hit me that I became an anxious flyer 
and sort of ever since that moment that was the one that stands out to me is is like one flight was the thing that it felt like everything mm -hmm. had shifted and so I, I don't necessarily have a great idea of what prompted that but I can look back and say there were any number of sort of traumatic experiences in relationship that yeah would have set the stage for that kind of anxiety to to finally sort of bubble over yeah yeah I, I think when I when I look at the stuff that we talked about that first night and have subsequently talked about countless times it, it was always the idea of how perfectly paired our traumas are that we both get to sort of run up against the scariest things that we have to deal with in an environment that that is like nurturing and encouraging yeah. as opposed to just like being the most harmful thing that has ever happened. You know, it's funny because there have been times where I feel like our traumas were perfectly mismatched. You know, I'm like, there's there's no other thing that could be a bigger problem for me than for you to be triggered in the moments that you are. Right. But I, I do take an overall view that it was really, really lucky that there was so much that we were able to heal really early on up front. Um, and for anybody who's listening, uh, Drew and I talk, have always talked so much about absolutely everything. Uh, <laughs> my mom, when she first met us, had like heard some of the conversations we'd had, how granular we get about different aspects of our feelings, our needs, what we want and like in relationship and stuff. And she was like, oh my God, that sounds like really lovely and connective and also so exhausting, like a, like <laughs> like an entire full-time job. And I was like, oh man, it's the best. And I know it's the best for us, not for everybody, but like I always appreciated how much, and I think some of this is your anxiety too. Like you wanted to like, you know, kind of talk everything to death out of a, a fear that it would be misunderstood. But for me, who had always wanted to talk to my partners and for them to talk to me more, it was like such a gift. Right. And and I think like that is in, in the same way, it is how it's perfectly paired. Like as dangerous yeah. as it feels to be, oh, a person being triggered in that moment in this particular way is the exact thing that sets so much stuff off. Like mm -hmm. I still view that as being a perfect pairing despite yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. the volatility to it um, because of all of the tools that we've been able to develop over the years. Uh, and, and I think like that both of us came in with like your, your candor and my sort of obsessive need to go over every <laughs> detail that that was, uh, I think a really nice pairing early on yeah, and made for like really yeah. deep connection. So. so one thing that we talked about very early on that has really remained uh, like a pretty significant marker of our relationship is this uh, kind of gender role swapping thing that happened where you would often display uh, qualities more associated with women even the anxiety that you described uh, back then, it was like the anxiety that a lot of my female friends and clients were struggling with, you know, like not wanting to take up space, not wanting to disappoint anyone, um, not wanting anybody to be mad at you. Like all of these things that felt to me very, very familiar, but but typically associated with, you know, the quote unquote woman in a relationship, in a heteronormative relationship anyway. Um, that you and and like maybe an anxious attachment style like wh whatever all these things but you, you were paired with me who had like none of those things I mean I I have all sorts of my own shit but like <laughs> I tend to be an avoidant attachment uh style and I tend to 
you know, be sort of aggressive and pushy and shut down and withdraw instead of like, um, you know, getting anxious or needy or, or whatever. So there's just a lot of things there that were like super interesting. And I think made it, made it so much easier to relate to you because it was stuff that I'd seen and experienced and, and gone through and healed and all this stuff. But I'm, I'm so curious, like why you think that is the case for you. You were sensitive, you were tuned into your emotions. Like how did you become this person who had so many uh, more sort of conventionally feminine ish qualities? I think my entire upbringing buck the trend of the people around me or or at least my contemporaries when I would get into like high school and college in particular uh to see a lot of like cishet white guys having walked an entirely different life that like all of my friends growing up were from such a diverse background yeah uh and like even my parents were you know both white folks but in the sort of swap of my mom being the breadwinner and Mm -hmm. being sort of again sort of more assertive and my dad being the one who was seemed more in tune with the emotional responses he's very Um, nurturing right uh so this was in miami yeah so there is like also i think um culturally culturally yeah like a unique place yeah we we would say you have to go north to get south yeah, certainly not a place that I would think like learning to be in touch with your feminine or sensitive side would naturally happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when I think Miami, I definitely think of a different dynamic around gender. But uh, I do think it's important to note that you were in a really big city. So there was just every kind of person and the yeah. diversity and the culture really informed you in a lot of ways. Yeah. And and I would I would say like, I think it is sort of a flamboyant city in a lot of ways, Ooh, like yeah, culture, true. color, uh, just influence like in terms of like when I do my photography I like to do a lot of black and white work Mm. and that's not the market for it they want bright Mm -hmm. bold colors like that's the stuff that sells um and yeah to have come out of that being sort of someone who keeps to myself doesn't want to take up space likes to do black and white photos uh is an introvert. Think, yes. <laughs> the absolutely. only introvert in Miami, I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's plenty of us. We're just like tucked away. Um, but I think, yeah, that in some ways, you know, you've talked about it a lot, having siblings that I was, I'm an only child and say I was, cause that hasn't changed. But, um, <laughs> uh, but I think it gave me a lot of time that would have otherwise been maybe spent interacting with my siblings right Uh, yeah you know playing fighting whatever might happen I don't even know um chaos yes chaos is uh, what happens between siblings it was was just the quiet chaos of my mind in that way that I just had a lot of time to sit by myself and think and develop that and in college studied sociology was one of my majors and I think that that opened my eyes to a lot of stuff it was like the study of groups and how Mm. groups interact uh in in a larger geopolitical climate and yeah. all of that and and it was again something that invited that introspection about like how i show up in the world and how my interactions impact other people yeah um 
Now, you also went to an arts high school, which is just such a foreign concept to me because where I grew up, no (laughs) such thing existed. Um, But in arts high school, did you feel like there was a, I don't know, like more permission to be like sensitive, creative, like, you know what I mean? Did that have any impact, do you think? Uh. I, I would say I don't necessarily have the frame of reference to say otherwise. Right. Like in my experience, it would, but I, I wouldn't have had something to line that up with and say, oh, yeah, yeah clearly, clearly at the, you know, fair. The, the other high schools in the area, this is how their experience is. That was, but it, but it was, you know, I, I know that you went to a high school with a very small graduating class. Mm-hmm. Mine was, I think, 98. So you, it was a much more intimate environment, yeah, I yeah. think, right off the bat. And because of that and because it was you know artistic expression because it was fine art painting and then different right. disciplines within that that you would have like filmmakers and you would have uh architects and industrial designers and graphic design which was what I focused on and then fashion so all of those things you know you you had different levels of expression you had you know when you watch how people filtered into the different strands you had right you know, a lot of like extroverted people ending up in fashion because you're literally putting on this yeah, show yeah. at the end of the year that it would be much harder. And a lot of like the quieter kids would end up in graphic design because we're there on our computers, not being bothered by anybody. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it, it was certainly something that fostered that, 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 yeah. that had, you know, making pieces that had some sort of emotional value, you know, encouraging so- that. I think the question here that I get asked, and I've been asked multiple times by people who hear me talk about our relationship, is essentially an attempt to understand how you became the way you are so that they can figure out how to like make either themselves or their male partners be more emotionally attuned to themselves and to the Mm. feelings of others, um, able to communicate effectively and abundantly. Um, how to process things in a way that is useful and effective for the relationship. So uh, we haven't quite gone into any of that stuff yet, but those are- Have ADHD and anxiety. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But there are so many people with both who can't do what you do. Like the way that you communicate, the way that you're attuned to your feelings and mine and everybody else's, which certainly at times uh, can drive me nuts because I'm like, oh my God, like just let them deal with themselves. Like it it certainly bleeds over into like kind of caretaking- towards uh like managing other people's feelings or whatever uh is there an answer to that like how you did that or how you would say any other person like born a man into patriarchy like how how would you say someone else could go about it do you have any sense of that I I think there's always a strong sense of like being inquisitive about the world around me I, I I don't know in terms of like nature versus nurture, that mm-hmm. that kind of thing, like right. people being sort of predisposed to it, and and I am definitely in the nurture camp. So mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people have already grown up in environments and been conditioned in ways that that are going to make that more difficult for sure, yeah, unfortunately. Um, but uh, allowing yourself to step into that place of of interrogating how you show up in the world uh, and being okay with whatever comes up as a result of that, I think was, was the biggest thing was to be able to, to sit there and, you know, I, 
I've encouraged people that, you know, if they're college age or if it's offered in their, wherever they're getting schooling, that to take a social 101, just something yeah. that starts to, you know, make you aware of how groups interact in the world and yeah, like, like the ideas of intersectionality and stuff like that, yeah. that, that unfortunately feel like have become buzzwords in a yeah. political battlefield nowadays but I, I genuinely think that the idea of just getting to see how my presence impacts other people simply by showing up yeah and not saying that's good or bad just being aware of it like that that was I think the simplest thing that that I think we we rush to get to that place of well see look you show up there and you're bad because of xyz and it's yeah. like we're not trying to say that we're just trying to say hey I'm I'm more aware of myself and you talked about having like more feminine qualities uh, one of the exercises that we had to do in one of my sociology classes was write down the ways that we perform gender uh, yeah I was going to ask you also to talk yeah. a little bit about your relationship with your your own gender yeah I, I think that that's that was like you know such a simple exercise it wasn't anything like groundbreaking like everybody's got to check this out I just thought it was an interesting uh thing to make note of to like mm -hmm. itemize a list of like well I'm wearing pants and my hair's cut short and I have facial hair and stuff like that these are just like simple ways that yeah. I am performing one but I'll often sit with my legs crossed yeah, and, yeah you know I like certain activities that are typically more feminine and you just like make a list on both sides and you get to see that it's not just like all of these things you know because I still like sports but I can like sports that are more feminine. Like mm. there's granular aspects to any of those things. Um, so, or I like video games, but I like collaborative video games. Yeah. Not, you know, so it's, it's, there, there are shades within each of these things, but I thought that that was like really interesting and never have bought into the idea of like, I got to show up like a man. Um, that, that was that's like, like such a big that's thing. basically the answer like how are you like this you were curious which I do think is really important um like inquisitive and willing to be a deep thinker sort of unpack stuff for yourself definitely makes a big difference makes you a way better communicator but also I would say you just like had permission from wherever mm -hmm. I don't know that that it, you can nail down but like you just had permission to not have to fit a particular gender norm and right. you know some of that's culture family culture like any number of things but I often think when someone's asking on behalf of like how do I get my partner to be more like that like if they hear a story um, about how you're like communicating or or you know connecting emotionally or any of these things that I'm like gosh I I often think it just has to do with like what they've learned about their role their gender is such a right. huge huge aspect of it and a lot of times when it hasn't been inquisited it just is this like insurmountable <laughs> thing and I'm like I think you'd have to start there but that's not yeah. I mean that's a huge huge task if you've gotten right. to adulthood without ever having yeah the, the idea that you can let go of those things right I think yeah. is you know as as simply as I can put it is you know i I can still be a man at the end of this yeah. and relinquish the idea that I'm some sort of stoic protector who never shows his emotion. Yeah. Like, like that your, your worth and your masculinity are not correct. one in the same. Yeah. And, and we, we, we watch any number of those sort of 
people might call like trashy dating shows, but we're like watching <laughs> we're very it. Very into this But but we watch it and we we look at you know we see how there are examples of masculinity of somebody showing up in that very traditional space and and see like the value in that and then the moments where they're able to kind of like relax that to yeah. open up and be more expressive and and like shake off that that cloud of patriarchy yeah. and that's something that's just like you know oh, another buzzword but it's just something that that negatively impacts everybody and Absolutely. and i wish more people were able to just like acknowledge that and that doesn't mean men are bad right. it is just a system that that negatively impacts pretty much everybody yeah. with so i always watch these shows and just think about like how i would coach each individual person <laughs> <laughs> like i'm constantly like oh i know exactly what i would do with that person um okay so this is one of the big points i wanted to have you on to talk about so i wrote one blog post uh or like an email article to my mailing list about i named it i hate men which was you know, like true in some extent, uh, what I was dealing with, but it was about my, my lifelong relationship with men as a population, negative experiences and trauma at the hands of boys and men leading me to a place where I just feel like, and, and this is all under patriarchy, of course, like men just suck and they're a huge disappointment and they're scary and they're dangerous. You know, there's, there's so much negativity I have in that space that I find it really difficult to partner with someone like you because my, you know, trauma associations have to come with me, unfortunately. And so I wrote about that. And then I wrote a follow-up post, just sort of uh, going even deeper into the the topic of like how we as a society have to reckon with a cultural sense that men are, are sort of mediocre, disappointing, dangerous, like all these bad things we have uh, from experience, you know, learned about men. And how we have to reckon that cultural thing with the fact that like most of us have individual men that we love and respect and care about. And right. like, it's just a weird sort of project of like healing from trauma and patriarchy while relationshiping with men. And so a big question has just been like, how has that been for you? Like, as I've talked about it, as you've read about it, um, but even I think probably more importantly, how has it been for you in our relationship? Like, how has it affected you that I am a person dealing with and healing from this massive like trigger uh life is easier when i shave oh <laughs> my god that's so true wait no talk about that uh so with inside myself i've been doing this little like social experiment because i've i have been sort of noting that some of the times when things are most difficult is when i am the most sort of mask presenting facial hair wearing a baseball hat you know if okay. I have my jerseys on or something like that like and I will admit this is true even though I never think of it in the moment right I've never looked at you and been like look at you in your stupid baggy pants and your baseball hat and your beard <laughs> like you're more masculine today and I hate you never none ever. of my pants are baggy anymore <laughs> but like it is absolutely true that when I look back and reflect on like certain fights that I've started or whatever certain moments that I've been especially like irritable with you or whatever that you were more masculine presenting and there's clearly something in my head that like takes it in in one fell swoop and goes me danger or like you know it just right. does something it's so subconscious but so true right so so I would you know sometimes shave after that and and realize that there was Mm. a distinct shift in in how I was received mm. uh which is 
like I I think humorous. I I don't find embarrassing it embarrassing for me. <laughs> but it's it's certainly not like anything that can't be overcome. Yeah. But uh, I I don't know that there are really too many specific examples I could say of like how your experience has shown up. I think outside of some of the depths of the depression, hearing those stories more loudly and like mm. the work that you've done in therapy, unpacking stuff, you know, from your childhood relationships with your brothers and yeah. like former partners and, and things like that, that I think there was more, it, it was harder to separate me as the person who's in front of you and, and that sort of specter of the past um, in a right. way, especially I mean, if are... there were any little like behaviors that I might do that, that would sort of line up with that. I think yeah. that there were, there were times where that was like a lot more um, difficult. Cause I, I, re I would realize that I'm like, Oh, you're, you're clearly in something that does not necessarily reflect what we are going through right now, but yeah. yeah. So there were definitely times that I was just more, um, like vulnerable, I think to those triggers hitting and, and certainly certain parts of depression made that true. And certain things that I'd be dealing with in therapy when it was like really raw or active, I would get like that trigger right. would just, uh, come up more. So I have a CPTSD uh, trauma uh, diagnosis. Okay, Woo. complex PTSD is what I have. And um, so there's essentially like for regular PTSD, it's generally focused around like an event, like one big trauma. Like when we think, um, you know, a guy comes back from war and it was like one like war scene that really screwed him up for a while. Um, that would be like PTSD. Uh, whereas complex PTSD mean it means like you're taking a much longer span of time. And in that time, there was a pattern of small traumas or big traumas, but it doesn't have to be, you know, it can just be traumatic to have small repeated patterns around similar stuff. And so for me, I had so, so many examples um, from as long as I have memory of like boys and men sexualizing me and uh, like violating my boundaries, uh, objectifying me. And so, and, and other stuff too, you know, I mean, just in general, like being unkind or thinking less of me, uh, treating me like just less human, less worthy of respect. So that's like a lot of stuff under patriarchy that we know exists. But when I look back over my life, like I can't be like, oh no, I'm triggered. And it reminds me of this one experience. It's like, instead what happens is I go into a flooded state where like all of a sudden my brain is just like white fog. I can't like follow an English sentence. I can't like answer a question. It just, it gets so like blown out in my head. And in those moments, it's almost like I'm I'm touching on or replaying tiny bits of moments from all over my life, you know, and because right. they all have to do with boys or men, it is often something that you do that triggers me that reminds me of one of those things, those patterns. Right. So for example, you playing video games has absolutely nothing wrong with it in and of itself, but I have so many examples of like being treated uh, in sort of a shitty way by guys who would rather play video games right. than like connect with me, um, including like my brother, a lot of my friends, a lot of my partners. So in those moments, like a big thing that I think we've had to deal with is finding our way through me being in a completely different reality on a regular basis. 
Yeah. And that's what I'd love to hear you talk about. Like, how is that experience for you when I have just poof, I'm gone, right? Like I'm suddenly going to be critical or uh, irritable or just shut down any of those things that I get when I'm like, woof, having a thing come up yeah. and you're like, okay, but I didn't actually do anything to hurt you because I'm not, I, and I wouldn't even necessarily sit there and be like, you're hurting me right now. It's more like I'm hurting right, right now. That's the only yeah. thing I can say for sure. Yeah. I, I think that that, you know, across our time together has been, you know, it, it, the most difficult thing to work on because like you were saying, it doesn't show up in the way of like, Hey, here's this experience I'm having. It, it yeah. shows up as like, Whoa, Hey, now, wait, why are you being so mean to me? Yeah. And naturally I think there's like a defensive response to that or the idea of like, wait, what you're saying just doesn't track. Like I didn't, you know, it comes to this place of like, then we're both like negating each other's you know, experience and reality. So yeah. that's because you'll often like... feel this is something we've learned is you'll often feel attacked if it comes out of nowhere, right? Which it seems to for you, although it doesn't seem that way for me. I'm like, obviously, you've, you know, <laughs> done three things in the last 24 hours that all tell me you're like every other guy and you're unsafe and you can't be trusted. And, uh, and you're like, I literally just like, have been living my life. I, I didn't know any of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when you when you ask, like, how can somebody better embody that it's recognizing that being able to take half a step back at least to be able to view where that might be coming from I think something that I've gotten particularly good at especially as of late is recontextualizing what that initial moment was and where that might have come from of like what was the first thing you said to me if I can remember that I feel like we have a much better shot of moving through something much more quickly and like getting you back from a flooded state. Um, but yeah, cause that's the moment that is so awash in both people being defensive that it becomes yeah basically impossible at a certain point to look back and say like, what, what actually was the thing? Cause I think I can look back at that from a place of compassion to say, Oh, what I would have received as lashing out or just out of nowhere. That sounds like somebody who's hurting, like, that sounds yeah. like like somebody in pain, you know, and it doesn't Im- immediately read as, oh, you're like, help, I'm hurting. It's mm-hmm. get away from me. Um, so this is a yeah. huge piece. One of the things that I love so much about you and our relationship is that uh, you are so dedicated to gathering tools, building, learning, growing with me and for me. And like everything is so centered on us as a team, us, uh, like being as strong and, and thriving basically as much as possible. So you put a lot of thought into these things. And I often feel like you get there way before I do, like you'll sort of come to an insight and I'll like intellectually understand it and you'll already be able to put it into practice. So I'm like noticing, Oh wow, our shorts, our, our fights are getting shorter or we're recovering more easily. And even though I was maybe there during a part where we talked about how that could happen. Like I never would have been able to change because in that moment, I'm just like, uh, struggling. And you are the one who seems to have a clear enough head to be like, I'm going to implement this new tool, or I'm going to call back an old tool that worked here. Um, but I think that this is such a huge one that you've been doing lately. And we've both been putting so much work into ourselves and our relationships lately, but, um, a recent fight actually, cause it's, it's so, I can't even explain why, but one of my things is like, if I don't feel heard, like I am useless in a fight, I cannot really get past that. Yeah. 
And so I used to say they're not so much like fights even these days because I I feel like they don't necessarily have day to day. Yeah, that's probably true. Things things where we you know don't see eye to eye, but we're not like arguing over something. There's not like a that I need to feel heard first. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. I mean, I always yeah. thought of that as like, I'm a second child. It's like, I just never got to feel right. heard and I always want to feel heard. But like, yeah, there's stuff around that for sure. Um, but what I was going to say is that I used to say to you, when I push you away, when basically when I'm being mean, when I'm being critical, when I'm being like any of those things, I want you to hear and see that I'm scared. And you were like, that seems like really difficult to do because when I'm looking at you and listening to you, it is a person who is angry with me. And I'm like, I promise you, I'm not angry. I'm scared. If you talk to the scared part of me, like I will, it will be so much better. And it took a long time for you to implement that, but you do it now. And like the other day, even we had a, not a fight, but you know, like a, a, tense conversation. And it was like, I felt myself getting more and more tense. I'm like getting like more and more rigid. Like the anxiety was kind of rising in me. And I was like, Oh my God, we're going to fight. And then you like brought it back to the thing I had come downstairs to say that led to the whole thing. You were like, wait, I just want to go back. This is what you said. Could you say more about it? And it was like, I just felt every bit of tension leave my body. I was like, Oh, thank God. Okay. (laughs) It just, it is the most incredible. Like, I I know that's just one example. You have so many things that you, you use as tools this way, but it's incredible the impact that those tools have on me. Yeah. And I think, you know, in times where if there are other things going on and that sort of tank of patience is lower, it's much more difficult for us to to move things through quickly because, you know, what is critical to that? It is the patience to understand somebody is flooded Mm -hmm. and hurting as opposed to, oh, there's actually like some core issue. And I think that that was like the distinction I wanted to make of like, a fight versus a tense conversation. Yeah, yeah. Because to me, a fight is something that like we both feel very strongly and there's opposition to. And I feel like a lot of the stuff is feeling unheard one side or the other. Yeah, but there's true. never actually like opposition to one another. Cause I'm there like, hey, like t- tell me about it. How do we, you know, just trying to like work mm-hmm. through all the tools to get to a place of like reassuring you we're on a team and and things like that. So like, I don't, I don't categorize that as a fight. Cause I'm like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm on your, t- your side. Yeah. Like we're, this is tense. This is not you sucks, versus me, but it's us it versus is something yeah. painful. Right. And, and being able to contextualize that is obviously mm-hmm. like not easy. And, and I think does take a lot of patience and something, some of you said earlier of like the idea of video games being one of those harmful activities. We, we talked about how the the traumas are paired. Uh, that's that thing where you're saying, oh, I had these former partners who would rather be doing this than spending time. And I had former partners who left me feeling so isolated from like friend groups and things like mm. that, that that was a way to feel like I still had a sense of community, like to be able to catch up with friends because I don't live around any of them. I can't just yeah. go somewhere and hang out with my friends and clear my head. It was a, a, a place that you know, when that gets encroached on, that feels so, you know, that's my yeah, last yeah. bastion of <laughs> of yeah. safety that I can be in. So I think that that's like where that's paired because I, I 100% hear everything you're saying about it and like why that would feel so terrible 
and it's like on the flip side like both stabbing each other across I know those are the hardest not intending to (laughs) so like obviously when one of us and by one of us I mean you are like in a (laughs) calm clear-headed place and you have patience and you're restored uh you basically can do anything on my behalf in a fight you show up in in pretty much any way that's needed it it, I don't know want to say it's easy but it looks easy Mm. and uh and I can occasionally do something similar but not with as much uh elegance I don't think or consistency um but for sure the hardest things are when like I have a trigger go off and either that causes yours to go off or you just happen to be like an underrested, overstressed, whatever kind of place. Yeah. And you can't do that because that's when the real damage has been done. Those are the hardest fights we've had. They're the things that last days. Sometimes it's the stuff that has like made me reevaluate at times. Cause when I spend long enough inside of a trigger, I just start to feel like, well, I guess this is reality. Like it's super damaging and hard uh, because I mean, part of the reason that I've been working so hard in therapy and multiple types of therapy and stuff lately is because I don't want that to be on you. I don't want it to be your responsibility. Like I want to be able to half the time show up that way too. Um, But I just find that coming out of like the trauma stuff that I have and you being uh, like, are you presenting how you present and my stuff with men, like all these things just make it like in the last year, especially that I'm, I've been triggered like probably more often than not. You know, I just, it's a constant thing and it feels so unfair to ask you to like constantly show up and be in the right place, uh, which is why I'm like trying to sort my stuff out now, but um, definitely those are the hardest. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the big thing being that restorative aspect to it, we we have different styles of that recovery from, from a tense conversation like that. Like I'm happy to just like go sit in another room for a little while and you know, I'll say, all right, like, let's have dinner. Let's go do something. And I will have sort of moved on. And I think, again, that that's when we talk about, like, how we got to where we're at, like, being an only child, mm-hmm. you know, sort of the you parental style, well. like, yeah, like, everything that I dealt with with my my folks, too, it was very much that of, like, knock down, drag out argument with my mom. Mm-hmm. And we would just retreat to our corners, and my dad would mediate, and then we would come back together like all right it's dinner time Mm -hmm. and and there was like genuinely no like love loss over that uh but that's true and that was new for me I I feel like in the beginning when you would say like I can leave this I know you feel really tense right now uh you feel like this isn't complete and there's going to be retribution if we just pause and take space like I promise you I'm going to go in the other room and I'm going to metabolize it and at the end it will just be done it will be gone for me And I would just like my brain would short circuit. I'd be like, how is that possible? There's no (laughs) way you're lying. There's going to be retribution that you're not even aware of. Like it felt so dangerous. But I think once you started offering me the same, like I'd be in a, in a tense conversation, right? Where it's like, this isn't even about anything. I don't even know why I'm mad anymore. And you would just be like, well, you know what? Like you can just be done. Like you don't, we don't have to finish this. You don't have to like apologize. We don't have to like reconnect and make it okay. You can literally just be done and we can like, just like watch something silly and then make dinner. Like it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to finish the way that I had always felt like it did because I was so afraid. And I still am sometimes that if you don't finish there, there's going to be like a punishment on the other side. Right. And I mean, I'm sure it's not a foreign concept to anybody listening to have somebody in your life, you know, bring something back up after. Right. And you never have, you know, a couple hours, a couple days, a couple weeks, like, 
you know, I, you know, not like completely immune to doing that. There's certain things. And like, I think, you know, very, very infrequent. And that's something that always like leads to a conversation where we yeah, yeah, yeah. find that resolution. But I think like, yeah, just sort of like, like jabbing at your partner or friend or, mm. you know, acquaintance, even like just over something that has happened, uh, I think is a common experience. And, and clearly has happened to you in partnership yeah. more often than not. So like the thing that, you know, that comes into contest with the idea of like, I have so desperately wished for it to say like, hey, this is done. We're good. Yeah. We can move on. And to actually have that be true. And I think that, that you know, that's one of those hardest things because like, I genuinely mean it. Yeah. And I'm so fearful of my partner holding on to that negative uh -huh. feeling and then just like being back in that horrible place even after that. And I do apart, often, so. I, I don't necessarily always, I mean, there have been times it's been like magic when you call upon this tool in the right moment, but there are a lot of times where it's like my nervous system can't relax until we do reconnect. Yeah. So I do have to finish it whether now or later. Um, so I don't always like understand how you use this tool, but <laughs> when there have been moments like, you know, like mid fight, you know, and we're like talking about this stuff and I'm like, I don't even want to be talking about this today. Like I wanted to have sex with you. I was going to come downstairs and ask <laughs> if you wanted such and such. And you could just be like, well, why don't we go do that then? You yeah. know, like we don't actually have to stay in this unless there's something else you want to say. Like we can just go do the other. That sounds awesome. Can we go do the yeah. other thing now? <laughs> um, and like occasionally, especially early on, I think we talked about like mid fight since pretty much all I ever want is a feeling of like reassurance that we're close and everything's okay. And I'm a very physical touch person that like, you would just offer me the opportunity. Like, do you want to make out? Do you want to have sex? Do you want to like, you know, whatever it was, it would just feel like this incredible magical opportunity where I'm like, well, but we're not allowed to do that. We have to finish the fight. And you're like, we really literally don't. Somebody has to apologize. Somebody has to be wrong. Yeah. And I'm like, I I've never, I've never bought into that. I think, you know, I having been in relationships where that was just the default of like somebody was in the wrong constantly yeah. versus it being something that could be as simple as like, we just didn't understand. Like there was a misunderstanding. Yeah. Or we were experience. both hurting in different ways, which is almost yeah. always what it is. And to be able to sit there and say, hey, like I can totally see why hearing that would have hurt in that moment. Like, yeah. you know, so like that's when I work with clients and things are around relationships. I, I feel like this is applicable to us. It also seems to be applicable to like everybody that pretty much anytime someone brings something up that feels like it's leading to a fight or you get into your cycle with your partner that like sort of is based around, you know, like your yeah. each little trauma pathways and triggers. Uh, I don't know if I can say all of the time, but it really feels that way. It is two people who feel you know, hurt or upset or whatever, who are treating the other person's behavior or feelings as proof that like, you're no longer on a team. It's me versus you. It's like, we're against each other. Now I'm on my own. And all of that just impacts the hurt and makes it bigger, makes it even harder to come back together. So I often think like one of the sort of genius things that you've brought into this relationship that I, I will like never Sometimes I just feel like I'll never get over how easy it sounds now, you know, because I yeah. just never experienced it before is like team. It, it's the fact that we're on a team all the time. Even now when we fight, like I don't feel that way, but you are so good at reminding me constantly, like mid fight, literally, this is me and you versus your pain right now. 
not me and my anger versus you and your pain. Like that is something you always, always make clear. And I've always wondered, like, this is such a like obvious, is this like an open secret? Do other people know about this? (laughs) Like how, think about how often when you have a fight with someone and it's like super bad and super painful, it's like, because you experienced some, something they did as like proof that they're against you. And now it's like a sort of power play and a struggle to like prove that they're right or that you're right. Or I don't know. It's like so often. It's a lot of ego. Yes, that's exactly it. And especially with like male, male partners, you sit there and it's like. Okay, so how do you set ego aside? How are you doing this? (laughs) Tell everybody the secret. Well, you know, the word that you used uh, that I think is prescient is anger, right? Like male partners, anger there obviously can be such a dangerous thing. And so many people have experienced the danger that comes with, you know, anger in a partner, which is not to say like it can't happen in reverse, but more commonly we see that. And I think that that was such a huge struggle for me was like the idea of never being allowed to be angry about anything. So mm. to, to have been so clearly wronged. Allowed like, by who though? Uh, partners, friends, okay. like just kind of anybody in my sphere. And that's like one of my long time struggles is that idea of if I don't show up as bubbly and happy, mm-hmm. anything that deviates from that there is it's met with like disappointment or anger in return yeah that i'm like no that was sort of objectively like swap out anybody in that position to have you know whatever events transpire in that way there's a justifiable anger there except with me it was never justifiable at all which Mm. felt like really you know when when our relationship sort of took off was the idea of always being accepted as the totality of myself, not Mm -hmm. as just the presentable aspects that it was, you know, all of the, the darker moments too, that to feel like, you know, any number of people, you know, watching any of these dating shows is seeing somebody physically intimidate somebody else or manipulate them so Mm -hmm. openly. And then they're just like, well, I take them back. And I was like, I had a, a moment where I was upset about something and I was trying to like work through it. Yeah. And that was like it, like just cannot, cannot recover from that. And I've like desperately sought the idea of like doing that. So I think a lot of these tools have developed because I'm like, I just want to feel accepted as a full person yeah. with a spectrum of emotions and not simply, hey, I have to show up in this specific way the entire yeah. time. That's really interesting. So a few thoughts come up around that. The first one is there have been times where you have gotten angry at me and I have like been triggered in such a way that it it like had an impact for weeks or more because you read to me as scary man. It's so infrequent with you, but it has happened. And I could imagine with other, you know, women, uh, other partners, whatever that you especially if you, you had less tools, less like, uh, you know, communication skills, relationship skills, all these things, I could see how that could happen because I like, that's something that I know if I had to deal with it more, like if I was with a guy who was more sort of conventionally masculine, angry, whatever, I know that I just, 
it would scramble my nervous system so freaking bad. I'm not sure I could make it work. Yeah. So I can understand that. Basically, you kind of had to like find other ways of communicating in order to get any of the things you wanted. Also, it kind of makes me feel sad for you though. Like you should be allowed to get angry without, I mean, you know, like fucking up somebody else's mental health. <laughs> like that's yeah. such a bummer. And, and and I'm not saying like, it, it feels so foreign to identify with like being angry at a person like I'm so often angry with situations I'm I'm angry when you get flooded not at you but at the idea of like we're both being sort of robbed of this connection right like that's a frustrating thing and and I totally get why that would read as like anger and in a space where you're flooded and things are coming in like sort of through a different filter it's like oh he's upset with me and it's like, no, I'm not. I'm really not. Like, I see your pain, and and like yeah. to see you in pain is upsetting. And yeah, that that's like a really difficult thing. And I think that's also paired with the idea of like, you know, when we talk about like the avoidant attachment style that that happens a lot of times, like is sort of often a marker of male partners. Yeah, that they're just like, well, I'm gonna go for a drive. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna just like ice yeah. the other person out. I'm like, no, I refuse to to leave for many of those things so I think like any anger in a space where there is utter refusal to like leave mm-hmm. is is feels like much more direct it for does sure, that's so. so true and actually it was like within the first couple of weeks of us dating that we had our first fight and I so appreciated that you stayed present you didn't withdraw you didn't stonewall yeah. you didn't leave all these things I had learned that was the only way men could handle anything uh you didn't do and I I remember being so impressed with that and then later on when it would happen and it was like I cared about you a lot at that point I wasn't real like I was no longer just like okay well screw you if this doesn't work I'm out you know um and it was also those kinds of things of like well you're staying present but I really wish I could leave because I'm now having the biggest flea response because I've never dealt with this before no man has ever stayed and been mad like it just it doesn't happen I mean you know, I've seen anger in certain ways that can feel scary, but just like flashes of it. And then they're out, you know, they're like, so I've never had to like stay and process, uh, whatever was going on with a partner who is angry. I think that it probably wouldn't have worked if, if you were more angry and in pain, right? Yeah. Angry and in pain. Exactly. That is me having my trauma response to so many times being told. And, and like so much of that comes up around, little things or little statements that in a defensive or flooded space, like are dismissive, you know, or come across that way, that that's like the thing that I have learned to, you know, utilize as well as I can is like not allowing those comments, like to just allow them to watch over me Mm -hmm. and not, you know, let that tip me off because then the two of us in that state, like, nothing's getting done and you've absolutely shown up for me in times when like I'm having some sort of horrible response to something so this is an... less frequent but like it's amazing yeah, yeah. You do that, so thank you I was gonna say this is a really interesting uh point between us is that I will often not feel it's like when I'm flooded and I feel like it's you versus me, like the sense of teamship has sort of disappeared and I'm like reliving somebody else and how scary and bad I feel or whatever it is. Right. In these moments, I feel a complete disconnect from all of my internal resources, especially like compassion, empathy, patience, understanding all of the things that like 
are pretty required for like a nice conversation. So I get kind of mean, very cold, uh, all those things. And so you have said to me that it feels really awful, that it, it almost feels like I don't stop and start to make things better again until you're like hysterical. Like, unless you've gotten to a yeah. place of something so bad, like panic attack level, that all of a sudden my compassion comes back, my empathy turns back on, my understanding is in full drive, yeah. suddenly I have patience. And you're like, I understand and I'm grateful for it, but it really feels like you had to get me to a 10 out of 10 before yeah. you would care for me. And that's really complicated for you. When actually yeah, what it is, that, that has been I, my experience in other yeah, like manipulative. that it, it, felt was like like it was manipulative, just, yeah, the, the idea of trying to simply elicit that response when I was so willing to give it right from the outset that it's right. like, you don't have to break me down entirely yeah, 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 to yeah. get to this. So, you know, those are the times I feel the hardest when it feels like it's fitting that pattern. Yeah, and I, I think like, pattern. you know, right. That you talk to, you, know, you talk about partners who have those manipulative things, things that like male partners do to like bring in comparisons and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like I, I realize like how close a lot of the things that I talk about fly to actual damaging behavior, but mm -hmm. it's never to like bring up like, oh, you know, you're just like this person. It's always like, hey, I'm experiencing oh, a yeah, lot yeah. of trauma I always feel that's across really the board that I'm like, yeah, you'll be like, I'm talking about how other people have done this. I'm not yeah. saying you're doing it. I'm saying why this is such a painful thing. And, that's true. and I think like, yeah, it's, it's a lot of these like running in parallel yeah. experiences that, but the interesting yeah. thing for me with that is like, obviously you have an old experience that you're living in then in that moment, right? You're like replaying yeah. an old trauma with somebody else uh, because you're feeling like I manipulated you into a breaking point because I want to see you hurt. That's like a story I hear you say. Right. Or or to just receive the- In order to start care. caring, yeah. Right. But what I feel like is if <laughs> at like a two out of 10, you put on a dress and like- you know, cried on the corner of the couch or something like if there it's because I see you as a man that none of that stuff connects for me as you truly being in pain. I only read it as like danger or manipulation or um, abandonment or any of these things. I never read it as pain until I visually see you in so many pain markers that I'm able to right. suddenly I can reconnect to all of those things that are kind in me and love you. And like, when that comes back, I always feel horrible. I'm like, why did that? Why did this happen? How did I let this get to this point? But like, it literally is true that I stay in my trauma reality until there is literally like a horrible thing happening in front of me. You're like about to lose it. And then I'm like, yeah. oh God, I'm sorry. I didn't know you needed care. I was like upset. <laughs> like, sort of I didn't snap know. Out of it at that point. Yeah. 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 And and it had, you know, the the difficulty of feeling like that was the only time that I was worthy of that kind of care was a big thing for me. Yeah. So to watch this partner who has been so gracious and welcoming of me and my totality to like disappear into the fog of being flooded, like. It's just yeah. a brutal thing for both of us. And yeah. I I often feel very guilty because when I look back on my relationships with men who withdrawed and stonewalled and all of that, uh, you know, they they would shut down and I would be like, you owe it to me to like stay here and answer this question now. And they they were like gone. And now I find myself in that position with you. And I'm like, I'm doing the same thing to you that I hated <laughs> so much. It's so unfair. But like the truth is, I was able or rather I never needed to learn the skill of like 
navigating any of that stuff because I just righteously felt like they owed me something and I never got right. the opportunity to actually like learn how to do it if they if they stayed uh, because yeah. no one did, you know, like that that was the pattern. And, and you know, when it, when it comes to refilling that tank of patience, there's a lot when I'm able to see it from this place of, you know, we're working on undoing, you know, years of patterns yeah of how that that has unfolded and yeah it feels completely foreign to be able to like to be offered that hand mm -hmm. to to step out of it and be like hey like yeah you just want to like watch a show yeah nothing yeah. bad on the other side of it like new john oliver just dropped yeah we could have this argument or we could watch the show like yeah, you know, you've and, learned... and to like build that to like trust that that is actually safe to be able to do that. So I think like, yeah, recognizing that that's not a thing that just like, oh, I do it one time and it changes and yeah. and to like buy into the process of like just continuing to affirm that. And I think, you know, it's one of those things of like my my pain around that is offering something like that and having it be like rejected and then like yeah, mean comments yeah, yeah. on the other side of it is is like re-traumatizing in my own way yeah. and then it's confirmation that that wasn't safe in the mm -hmm. same thing so it's like as long as you can stay in that space of like nope this is safe and yeah. it's offered and the the idea of teamship and and when it comes to those interactions with people like i would encourage as much as you can if you truly want to be on a team with that person like that should supersede all of that other stuff and obviously that's not just like it's so hard easy to, task do, to just though. do it yeah like but, to stay connected the to the fact that both of us at all times want us to be okay like we yeah. want to be close we want to be um, we want to feel safe. We want to be happy. That is the outcome that both of us want every moment of every day. Therefore, in those moments where it feels like you just want to hurt me or you don't care about me or don't love me, any of those things that sort of show up in my mind, it is like the hardest thing to talk myself into being like, yeah. no, like <laughs> is that I have no proof to back that up other than a lifetime of experience with other people. And I have a lot of proof to show that, like, if I give you what you want to make you feel safe, I will be rewarded because you will make me feel safe. Like, I, I know yeah. that it works. It's just so hard to do yeah. in that moment. The temptation to be like, it's your fault. You're wrong. Yeah. And you, like, yeah. should be punished. Sacrificing is so the ego in those moments. Yeah. On both sides. Like, yeah. But, but that's like, you're just laying everything down in front of the other person to say, like, look, I am, I am, a, I come unarmed. Yeah. This is not a thing. Like. We, we can see the capacity to which we can like, yeah, like we could harm one another and like to be able to like mm -hmm. truly lay that down in front of the other person and not be like, oh, I got another thing behind my back. Like, you know, even it, that it is, though, like, like being vulnerable how to, to not <laughs> let ego take over. It, it could be a master class. Like there's so much that goes into it. It's such a difficult thing. Um, and yeah. I would certainly associate it with men, but I'd say between us, it is a much bigger issue for me. Yeah. And, and definitely like, each case is separate because yeah, when we talk true. about it, like we can talk about this very candidly about how difficult things are at times because overwhelmingly everything's great. Mm -hmm. Like the, there's a goodness and a richness at the core that is like worth showing up for in these ways. And that might not be true for everybody. 
So fair. Yeah, implementing, fair. implementing these tools in a situation that you should leave. Right, right. right? Like that's very different than sitting there and fighting for something that you know is like genuinely good and worth yeah not just detonating because you're hurt in a moment so absolutely this is something i always say that like i had long-term relationships before but i think i always knew that if i left i'd be fine like that maybe things had like a time limit or i would sort of outgrow them eventually so like it, it it never felt like i was risking much to detonate, you know, I would just be like, well, you're wrong. I'm right. And like, we can either break up right now or you can admit defeat. Like I I was only able to do that because I genuinely would have been okay with us ending. It's not like that's what I wanted. Exactly. It was right. just like, I don't have that feeling with you because I would not be okay. Like this is a lifetime partnership for me. I'm absolutely not uh, in any way willing to damage it to the point that we couldn't be together. Um, and so I think because of that, a lot of the stuff I've struggled with is like literally the, but if I can't detonate, what other stuff is there? Like I, like such a lack of skills in the space of genuine commitment. Right. Yeah. That's, it's interesting. And I don't know that we've necessarily ever put it into those kind of words, like around Mm -hmm. commitment, but yeah, absolutely. It's like, oh, if, if this little bag of tricks doesn't work, what do I do? Yeah. Um, And I think sometimes it even made me feel trapped, especially earlier in our relationship where I was like, I want to flee so bad. I want to just be like, screw you. I'm breaking up with you. I never want to see you ever again. Like those big feelings that would make me do that kind of stuff. But like, I have to, to just wrestle them to the ground, like fight to swallow them because I'm like, no, like I can't, it's not okay this time. (laughs) Like it was so, so hard to just fight for it, I guess, not even fight for it, fight myself. So I didn't blow it up, you know, like that was really difficult. (laughs) Yeah, We jokingly talked about how a lot of your relationships had had that like two year expiration year to a year and a half program that there's, there's a program that runs that once the like hormones and chemicals and everything (laughs) from the beginning wear off, I would suddenly be like, Oh, this, this is not going to work. Right. Detonate. Yeah. And and again, like peeling apart those patterns of like somewhat self-destructive behavior in those ways. Yeah. And like, it all goes back to the idea of like interrogating the source of any of these actions mm-hmm. and, you know, being able to show up with that like really true vulnerability. And I think that that yeah. belies us a, a really deep-seated sense of trust yeah. with the other person, I think is critical and I think super difficult like it's not again it's not a thing of like just look for the people who are trustworthy like right right how do you know (laughs) you you, it's something that you always consistently have to work on and I I think like in some ways my my approach to that has you know why I'm able to show up vulnerably is I start with that full bank of Mm -hmm. trust as opposed to starting with no trust and building up so it is sort of a, I think I do too. I do like the a, same thing. Yeah. I, I start with full trust when I meet someone, not everyone, but you know, most people that I yeah. would like care to continue having in my life. And then it drops from there as opposed to right. people who I know a lot of people will say they start with none and it has to be built. Um, I think that the challenges facing each type of, of pattern is so different. Right. Yeah. Because then it becomes a, 
how how does one rebuild that right yeah as opposed to like a much easier barrier of entry to like build that up I I, I think I've always looked at that as perhaps less sturdy Mm. that idea of like building somebody up because you don't necessarily know where the the top is so how how rickety is this construction that you've built because you've built them up to this height but on a lot of really thin flimsy pieces Mm, and then it collapses versus like here's one solid thing that is being reduced but is really resilient I want to get at someone on the podcast who comes from the other direction and like have yeah. us talk about the different cool. experts. Interesting. Um, okay. So something that, you know, the reason I had you start by talking about like, how did you become as introspective and attuned and emotionally um, intelligent as you are? I think that it matters how you got there in general, because how you got there in general informs how you relationship with me and how your relationship with me is like, I mean, you're, you're incredible at it. Like you're just so, I would say talented, but it's like, I know it's taken a lot of work obviously, but you know, you've got all these tools in your head. You keep track of them. Like I write them down in my phone literally, but you just seem to have like a very intuitive sense of how to relationship me. (laughs) It's it's the only (laughs) way I can put it. Um, But I feel like what you're saying is it's exactly the same process as what got you to where you are as an individual. It's like challenge or like being inquisitive unpacking everything for yourself, being a really deep thinker, like just curious enough to bother thinking through the, the, the deeper, darker stuff. Um, I know that something you've talked about in our more like open relationship experiences is that you'll like put yourself in the, the place to basically experience all of the like jealousy or insecurity or whatever in advance. So that by the time something happens, you've like already dealt with it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I mean, thank you because now you're responding in a really lovely supportive way, but like also what it, what, you know, I think it's, it's who you are and how you process the world that makes you so good at showing up and processing relationship, uh, at least with me anyway. And, and anything you want to add to that, I'd love to hear your thoughts. That was a pretty great breakdown of it. <laughs> I think like, yeah, it, it is one of the benefits of overthinking. Yeah. Right. That's I think maybe what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I think, you know, at, at other points in my life, it has been easier to, to fall on the destructive side of things of like all of these, like Dr. Strange, 14 million possibilities. And only one is the, you know, like I, obviously like I'm not thinking through all of them, but I think I would, I would lean towards, Oh, here's like a bunch of negative outcomes that could happen. And I didn't allow myself the space to say like, it could be like a really positive one. Right. So, uh, because I I hadn't had the experience outside of that to, to believe like there was a lot of room for Mm. the positive ones to happen. So as much as it is the work that I've done, I'm partnered with somebody who allows that work to continue and flourish mm. as opposed to saying, well, well, this was growth in this direction. I've yeah. acquired more tools and I will carry that whole tool bag on to the next thing. I think, you know, you, you, you ask like, oh, I've written things down on my phone versus me being able to recall it. It's like stuff that I've really genuinely committed to yeah. and continue to grow that I'm like, would any of those relationships gone have gone differently? Like mm-hmm. sort of planting myself as I am now yeah, back into that things. situation, like like with those skills, maybe. Pro- probably it would be different, 
but it's like I can look back and say like here's the value of that of a, of yeah, a horrible yeah. situation totally. that I have grown the best tools out of I'm also like, gosh, yeah. I'm glad I didn't have the tools because uh, what if those relationships had worked? Like they weren't right. the right relationship. And, and I think that that's like ultimately what it comes down to is when you talk about that, like, oh, I, I could have all these tools and it works because it's with you, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and the tools that you're, you as the listener are developing will work with that. Right. Everyone's different. That right person and persons and, and like interactions yeah. in your life, like it is meant to be in that way as opposed to it being like oh i've learned enough tools to manipulate any situation right to, to my benefit to like make me. it work you've learned how to right. relationship with me Correct. and it would not necessarily translate oh i think it would some of it would but like I, a lot of it is very specific um right but it would not feel nearly as rewarding i think mm. and and that is the pairing of like i can only bring so much yeah and it has to be sort of received and reciprocated by the other person in in ways that like truly grow it as opposed to saying like oh that had a positive impact but there's no yeah. sort of growth or, or momentum that's derived from it I feel very similarly like I I always felt like I had a lot of tools and I could like sort of be a good partner on paper before but uh I never felt like it was it like like a zigzag like it is with us it's like I'm doing work you're doing work I'm doing work like it's just constantly bouncing off yeah. each other and getting better as opposed to just I'm doing this alone and they benefit you know yeah yeah and, and I think like our tools together promote that like growth whereas to to use that scenario of taking that retroactively into a previous thing it would serve as harm reduction Right. Totally. Yeah. That it would be like, oh, that harmful thing. I now know how to like deal with mm -hmm. that and like defend myself better as opposed mm -hmm. to like, I get to like really interact with you yeah. and, and have that be a positive thing. So, so one question um, that I was going to wrap up with a little bit is what do you wish more women who partner with men knew? Mm. Uh obscure references to uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, to deep internet stuff that you like yes, to comment yes. on and i never being, understand being painfully online no um <laughs> but it's i it's hard to say because like I, I can't genuinely speak for any other men really to say oh mm. like they all have the capacity for depth and and like all it takes is being invited like i think that mm. that isn't necessarily the message that's beneficial here to say like oh you know your partner wants to be you know right. introspective and and inquisitive that that's not that's not a guarantee but i would say if there was a way to encourage those kind of moments to see to be able to like suss out is there any capacity i think a lot of guys would probably jump at the opportunity like to be invited into that space you know like sort of the judgment free yeah the idea that like releasing the masculinity is is welcome mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know uh and again for some people nope not gonna happen but yeah. i think that you know i i have cultivated a large enough friend group 
to understand that that's absolutely, you know, absolutely a thing that exists out there. Like when we went to Colorado, we got to hang out with my friends. You know, you, you can talk a little bit more because you were the outsider to, to that. So but... These are like longtime friends. And uh, I have certainly, I had met some of them and not everyone. And I had um, sort of known about your friendships from like phone calls and, and stories and things like that. But I was so struck by like how adorably emotional everybody was, like how uh, you guys all just talked about really deep things with each other in a way that I do not think of male friendships as <laughs> normally having. And it was like, everyone was sort of on this wavelength of just like, going deep and we had one group conversation one night with like everyone and I was just like what is happening like how did you cultivate friendships like this and I just think it's like it's in part because of who you are like you found people who are in a similar vein um and in part I think they are that way because of you because at least you you were given a lot of credit that night for being like someone who encouraged them to introspect and question and explore uh, and go deep. So yeah, it was just amazing though. I, I was like, so touched by it. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like, don't, don't ignore the moments that can be a catalyst for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. it can be like really awesome on the other side. And, oh, and yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's super important to, to look out for yourself, but don't, don't put yourself in vulnerable positions. Um, but I think, yeah, to have the understanding that that there are like there's vulnerability on the other side as well um on the other and it's going to show up at, uh, on the on the other side like partnering with a male partner oh oh, oh yeah, there, yeah. there's vulnerability there that that as sort of stoic and and like shut off as they may seem like that just means that that shows up in different ways like yeah. and and that can be really difficult like to step outside of your own sure. lens yeah um but yeah, like the times that you're able to do that, like how incredible is it mm -hmm. to be able to like, you know, yeah, see my experience as like seeking community rather than something that's shutting you out. Like the big thing I've learned lately, everyone, is that men are human and that. Ah, don't let business. the secret out. Don't let the secret out. <laughs> as it turns out, they're just humans. Um, anything else that we didn't talk about today? I would love to talk about our sex life at some point because I feel like uh, we bring a very similar uh, mode of like transparent communication and um, sort of like a willingness to do exactly what we want instead of following the rules to make it work for us. But um, we don't have time for that today. So anything else that we didn't touch on that you'd like to share? Yeah, no, we, we can do that at another time after we figure out how to disable my parents downloading a podcast. But... <laughs> they can listen to this one. Yeah. Um, okay, awesome. Well, I am so happy to have you on here. Um, anybody who's listening to this, you can find Drew at uh what is your Instagram handle? Drew H photo and your website. And my website is Hughes and Saturation. And we will link uh, to both of those in the show notes. Yes. I, I I will link to that. He will because he does production notes. for this podcast. Uh, um and, and then that's is... a play on Hughes as in like you know, color stuff. Uh, but it's and my last, last name. name. So, um, he is a wildlife to, photographer. Yeah. He I managed brilliant. to not make too many jokes this episode. <laughs> you actually made none. I felt like this was, uh, like you were so serious. He's not usually Super this serious, serious, everybody. Um, but he's Especially a when I'm anxious. <laughs> wildlife photographer. It's absolutely brilliant. Go check it out. And, yeah. uh, also does like portraits and, and, 
uh, what do you call it when it's like product stuff? I guess product photography, oh, um, yeah. all kinds <laughs> of stuff and uh, graphic yeah. design as well. Yeah, so if you're looking for there. prints of pretty animals. Oh yeah, prints I can, I can pretty animals. That's the best. I have happen. them in my office. So. I'm looking at them right now. Yeah. And uh, we'll, also- We'll drop it in like right over here. And no, I'm, Ooh, I'm do not doing it. that. <laughs> and uh, also if anyone was like listening to this and a question popped up, come on over to me on Instagram at Jesse Nealand and you can drop me a question. We may do a follow-up or something, uh, you know, on a different topic another time. And also I can always just like post in my stories. So I'm happy to get questions if like anything kind of like, you know, caught your attention or made you wonder to hear more or anything like that. We could do a Q and A. I mean, we could do whatever. Um, Drew and I are transparent as hell and we are happy to like talk about this stuff if it's of any value to anyone. So um, hopefully this gives you like a little bit of insight into my partnership in general, into who Drew is as a person, how we, how we work together. And also I think just, it's so important to me that we have examples of couples talking openly and transparently about like what works and how hard it is. Because I, I feel anyway, like we pretty much only get like the airbrushed version of relationships. Like I would never do it with anyone else, babe. Love you. Love you. Love you. Like no, no transparency about the fact that doing a relationship takes work and is really, really difficult and sometimes really painful. Um, and then on the flip side, it's like when people do start talking about that stuff, you tend to start going like, Ooh, sounds like they're going to like, <laughs> you know, break up or maybe they should, you know? Um, right. And so I think it's just really important. And I want to be an example of a couple who is just open about the whole thing. Like this is an incredibly rewarding relationship, the best of my life, hands down, and also easily the hardest relationship I've ever had. And it takes so, so much work. Yeah. Any final thoughts? No. All right, everybody, thank you for listening, and I will catch you next week. Bye.